from time to time I would hear about Jesus Christ. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, at least for a time, uh, some of the members of my family went to church service on a regular basis. And the name of Jesus, I'm sure, was, uh, was preached. But I find it uh, extraordinary that up until I became a Christian, in a moment, I did not know why Jesus died. I suspect that there are uh, millions, maybe billions of people in this world who have heard of Jesus Christ, who have heard about his death and his burial and his resurrection. There may be some of them that are religious in that day. They even attend uh, church and 
follow the scheduled holidays and so on, but do not know why Jesus died. And after knowing then, if we come to know, I am sure that we come to know for one reason. Is that the Holy Spirit chooses to make that known in our hearts. And I think that there are many things that prevent that and that we, our hearts have no room for faith, but we believe that God <clears throat> will determine whether or not we are susceptible unto him based upon our ability to do good works and to keep the law of Moses. And that's a terrible tragedy because salvation has nothing to do with our ability to perform, our ability to be good, our ability to do the right thing. Uh, and so many good works, the, the scripture tells us it has nothing to do with our goodness, but what it has to do with is the goodness of God. Some people call coming to Christ the exchanged life. Uh, the fact is that each of us, now, no matter how good we seem, we're dead in trespass and sin. What that means? Well, that means that we were dead as far as God was concerned, because God can only have communion with beings that are righteous like he is. How much righteousness do we have to have? Perfect righteousness. And if we think about it a minute, we will all come to the conclusion that none of us, no matter how hard we try, could measure up to perfect righteousness. God in his great wisdom laid, gave us because he paid the penalty for each of our and all of our sins. He said, since you, I have done this for you, if you will believe me, I will give you a gift. And the gift is righteousness. And it's bought 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you think there's going to be some measuring of your righteousness before God on that final day, you can be sure that you're already in trouble because you have no righteousness of your own. But we are given the gift of the righteousness of Christ. And so that brings me to the book of Numbers. I'm going to start reading in verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. So those people were guilty. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. Now, this was the continual harping of complaining of the Israelites because of the difficulties that they found uh, in the wilderness journey. Chapter 21, right? Mm. Chapter 21. I'm sorry, chapter 21, and that's starting with verse 5. Then in verse 6, the Lord did something. Now, this sounds rather terrible, but it is indicative of unbelief. For the people would not believe God that he he would get them from the beginning of the journey to the end. And they also thought, thought it was difficult, and therefore they sinned against God. And he said, all right. And the Lord sent fiery serpents. And there were lots of those in the wilderness. The asp, it sounds like. But anyway, fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, I rather imagine that this was just not a natural occurrence. Uh, the Lord uh, went to the trouble to make sure for whatever reasons, there were many more poisonous snakes in the land at that particular time than ever would have been before. Uh, so under every rock and every piece of covering on the ground was hidden the bite of death and you realize that the bite of death is symbolic of the fact that the sin that each of us would carry in ourselves that we inherited from Adam that's why it's there because Adam sinned and Romans 5 will tell you that 
when Adam sinned, the whole race that came from Adam sinned. And we may think that some of us are better than others. But the fact is that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God will receive into his communion nothing other than perfect righteousness. So going ahead in verse 7, therefore the people came to Moses. These snakes are biting us. And they suddenly realized that they had sinned against God. And that is why this terrible thing is happening. How Is it not, my friend, more important for, if it requires chastisement or it requires what we might consider punishment, whereby we learn from the Lord and we find out what our problem is? Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is sin. Yeah. And so the people recognize their problem. It took them a little while to understand. Some of them died. And they said, for we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that you take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people but God had something more something that would occur some 1500 years later that he wanted them to understand uh, we call it a type it was the type of being uh, sold under sin, bit by serpents, if you would, all of us, all of us in that situation where the deadly venom of the serpent dwelt in our blood and Moses was guided by God to say to the people, I will make a bronze serpent, an image of a serpent. It's just an image. I don't, the scripture does not tell us how big it is, but it's made of bronze. It's obviously very heavy and it sits on top of a pole. And so I can't think it was very large. The idea that it was bronze in the scripture, bronze always refers to judgment and the chastisement of God. And so the Lord said unto Moses, verse 8, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole 
and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looked at the fiery serpent, or, or pardon me, and looked at the, yeah, the serpent made of bronze, when he looked upon it, he should live. And so Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he held the serpent of brass, beheld him, he lived. So you tell me what was required of the individual that was bitten by the serpent. Well, what was required was that he look, that he don't perform some ceremony, that he doesn't change his life, but he looks at the one who has salvation. And so if he was to look at that serpent on the pole made of bronze, he would live. Now, we're going to find that 1,500 years later, we're told specifically that looking at the, that serpent was tantamount for those people to being saved. But for us, the serpent is not made of brass. The serpent is nothing yet that is in this world. Uh, he was our tree, if you would, and he was lifted up over the earth. And we're going to see what it means and what is akin to being, uh, to looking at him and being healed. And so, verse 10 tells us the children of Israel set forward and pitched in uh, Obeth, and they journeyed from there, pitched in I Jenaram in the wilderness which before Moses, and from then they were removed. Now, that is all that the Old Testament tells about what we call a type of Christ, uh, who was held up on a pole. Indeed, all the people that looked upon him uh, were saved from the poison that curse or coursed through their veins. Um, and so we only hear, uh, just so you'll know, one more time about the fiery serpent in the Old Testament. And that's probably something you've never heard of is some several hundred years later, uh, the king who was a, uh, Israel had a lot, or Judah had a lot of bad kings. Well, one of the good kings named Hezekiah heard 
that the fiery serpent that they had put on a pole had been found and taken by the people at large and used it as an idol. And they worshiped it. And uh, it's, my friends, it's typical of man. When man often finds that which is good from God, he cannot understand it unless he has faith. Therefore, he must uh, uh, he must aspire to it or, or assign to it a value that makes it into an idol. And you know what Hezekiah did? He took, he finally found that fiery serpent, the one that Moses made, and he had it ground to power. You know, it seems like an amazing artifact lost, but that is so much better mm -hmm. than worshiping it as an idol. And so I want to take you now to the book of John, and we're going to hear about the fiery serpent again. So we're 1,500 years later, and we have that amazing story that is used so much among Christians, which talks about being born again. I remember the first time I heard those words. When the man the man said to me, Dave, you must be born again. The man who heard those words was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. You find him in John chapter three, verse three. And Nicodemus only understood in the natural that idea of being born again. And so he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that means except he be cleansed of his sin and of the spirit, because that is where the holiness and the life of God is given to the individual. So during the process of being born again, one is cleansed, and uh, secondly, one receives the life of God. Uh, Nicodemus didn't understand either one. Uh, and so Jesus goes on, that which is born of flesh, 
and that which is born of spirit is spirit, and that which is born of flesh is flesh. Marvel not that I say to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst or cannot tell from whence it cometh, whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus, he still doesn't understand, and he answered Christ and said unto him, how can these things be? And this reminds me of so many people, and more so every day, uh, continuing to a false conclusion regarding what it is to be saved, what it is to have your sins forgiven, what it is to stand before God in perfect righteousness, which is a gift of God that fewer and fewer and more and more are coming to the conclusion wrongly that you can make your own life with God by uh, doing good works or by following your heart uh, or some other uh, ridiculous thing that God had nothing to do with. And Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Well, these things, the, the truth of substitutionary sacrifice, the righteous for the unrighteous is something that is not written into the heart of man. He does not understand it. And so every man that comes to the Father must be drawn. And every man that cooperates with that is drawn into more truth to the point where he finds that the reception in faith of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will make any of us acceptable unto God. And so... Nicodemus was chided by the Lord Jesus Christ in that he should have known this. And so Jesus answered him. He said, art thou a master of Israel? And you knowest not these things. Verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, we speak that we know, and that is that humans, human beings speak only what they know as a natural man. But the, uh, and human beings testify of that which we have seen, and you don't receive our witness. If I had told you earthly things, you would, wouldn't believe. But now he's telling them something which was a heavenly thing. 
If I tell you then, uh, heavenly things, would you believe? How should you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? The answer, my friend, it, <clears throat> this is true. If you want to know, if you want to know, you will know. Mm -hmm. If you don't really want to know, you won't. <clears throat> and you can go on all of your life pretending that you understand why Jesus died. Mm -hmm. But that will not make you a Christian. That is why that one day when, when many who proclaim to know Jesus tell him all the things they did for him, he is going to say to them, depart from me you are cursed he doesn't say I don't know you he says I never knew you and so born again must be from the beginning born again we continue to believe clear to the end of God's work in our life well, you say, well, you were going to mention something about the fiery serpents. Yes, it's right here. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak what we do know and testify what or that which we have seen. And you receive not our witness. That was a, uh, a slur against the Jews because they would not receive the truth, what it meant to be born again. So no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man, which is in heaven. Here it is. As Moses lifted up the servant or the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. There are many who will not receive the work of the cross because. For one thing, is is a bloodletting where the life of the one who saves us was poured out for us. It had to be the breaking of the body, which we will celebrate today. The breaking of the bread, we will celebrate today. And Jesus said. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. What? Do it in remembrance that there was a day when indeed I was lifted up for you. And for those of you who would believe, 
and continue in that faith, you would have eternal life. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No checking on seeing whether or not you deserved it. Because none of us deserved it. But we received it as a gift through God who lifted up his only son and gave him a ransom for our sin mm. that we might have life. I remember when being about 12 years old, my father took me to his hot mix plant. That's where they made the stuff that paved roads. And he would make a habit of going there on a Saturday and leaving you in a car. And I sat there for hours. But I had with me my trusty Daisy BB air rifle. And so on a little sand pile next to where the car was parked, I with the window down saw a beautiful robin. <laughs> and a robin landed right there, not not 10 feet from me. And I thought this was my opportunity. So I aimed out the window and I shot the robin dead. I was so proud. Later, my dad came and I showed him the robin. That I had killed. To hardness of heart. I didn't care that robin was made by God. was beautiful. And he was just doing what robins do. My dad said, get out of the car. So I got out of the car. He took me around on the other side of that sandbox. He grabbed me by the back of the neck. And he said, look at what you have done. And there was a nest of baby robins. But for my own pleasure, I had taken the life of their mother. And they would not survive.
I'll never forget. What must happen? We need our Heavenly Father to grab us by the back of the neck and point our eyes towards Christ and say, Look what you have done. Because our sin put him on that cross. And we esteemed him, Isaiah 53, crucified. We didn't think about who he was, how wonderful he was, how beautiful he was, how perfect he was. But his being on that cross was a difference for those of us who believe between eternal life and death without end. My friends, what more could God do than what he did that we might live?